Have you brushed your teeth? A father asked his son. Yes. Well, why is the toothpaste that I put on yesterday evening still on your toothbrush? Oh, well, I brushed them yesterday. You need to brush them every day, twice a day. Just as we need to brush our teeth twice a day so that our teeth don't decay, so we need to hear the gospel in every season of life so that our faith doesn't decay. When life is hard, we need to hear the good news about Jesus. When life is good, we need to hear the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And when life is somewhere in the middle, we need to hear the good news about Jesus. My name's Andy. It's great to welcome you to our online service today. I'm part of the staff team here at CBC, and it's my privilege to kick off a new series called The Journey to the Cross. In the weeks between now and Easter, we are going to be looking at some of the words in Mark chapter 14 and 15 on a journey to the cross, looking at the good news of the gospel, something we all need to hear. In our passage today, we see the contrast of the scheming and betrayal of the religious leaders and one of Jesus' followers, Judas, and the extravagant, beautiful, costly and prophetic worship of a woman who wasn't expected to know anything. Well, where are we? Physically, at the beginning of Mark chapter 14, we are in Bethany, a place just outside Jerusalem where Jesus often stayed with his friends, Mary, Martha and Lazarus. Jerusalem would have been packed as people arrived in town ahead of Passover, and it would have been safer for Jesus just outside Jerusalem. We're in the home of Simon the leper, perhaps the leper Jesus healed. A reminder for us that Jesus identified with the outcasts and the former outcasts. One of the many reasons why the chief priests and religious leaders were scheming and plotting to kill Jesus. In the story, we're just two days before the adjoining festivals of Passover, a one-day celebration of the liberation of God's people from when they were slaves in Egypt, and the festival of unleavened bread, a seven-day celebration symbolising a break from the past and a commitment to a new start. Just as the Israelites were told not to allow their yeast to rise when it was time to leave Egypt, but to grab everything and leave, so the Feast of Unleavened Bread was a time to leave the old ways behind and a commitment to be holy, to be set apart for God. The significance of the timing of these two festivals and the events that are going to happen over the following days that we'll unpack week by week will become clearer as we make our way through Mark 14 and 15 on our journey to the cross. In our reading, there is a sandwich of scheming in verse 1 and 2 and in verse 10 and 11 of the religious leaders and Judas. But at the centre of this passage is the extravagant act of worship of this woman. Verse 3 says, A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured perfume on his head. We're not told the name of this woman. Mark is clearly more interested by her actions than her identity. Although a similar story is told in the other Gospels, and John names the woman in his story as Mary. But for today, we're going to be focusing on Mark's account of this story. What was this special gift 
that she gave an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. This perfume was worth a year's wages, about 300 denarii. We could say that's the equivalent to at least £25,000 today. Surely this was to be used carefully and sparingly. It was kept in a precious alabaster jar, a fragile flask with a long, narrow neck, and this too was of great value and importance. This was not to be used on an everyday joe, and it certainly wasn't to be used in one go. For this, for this woman, though, Jesus was no average joe. This was Jesus, and she wanted to show her devotion and worship to him. And so she broke the jar and poured this precious perfume on the head of Jesus. Can you picture the gas of surprise and disapproval in the room? And to this action, we see two strong and very different responses. Have you ever given a gift and seen very different responses? Picture someone giving me a joke book, seeing the sheer delight on my face and the dismay of those around me who know they're going to need to hear these jokes in the weeks to follow. Or a family scene where the gift of a Sky Sports package is given. There is a response of pure delight from some and despair from others who know there's going to be endless sport on the screen. Or two friends sat in a cafe and one gets out her bag a new book that she's been given. A walking book. This friend loves walking and her best friend, who's surely going to be invited, absolutely hates it. Two very different responses. Well, at the giving of this gift, we'd see two strong and very different responses. Verse 4 and 5. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. The some who become indignant in verse 4 could well have been some of the disciples who have been well off the mark many times before, including turning children away who came to see Jesus, who of course he loved. Now what was their reason to rebuke her in this moment? She was wasting something valuable that could have been sold and the proceeds given to the poor. A reasonable economic point, surely, and not untrue. But the second reaction we see in this passage shows that they were surely missing the point of the significance of her worship and what it meant in this special moment. Not for the only time the disciples had something to learn from the close female followers of Jesus as well. I can picture Jesus standing up to her defence in Simon's home. Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help them any time you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she's done will also be told in memory of her. We know from his ministry and teaching that Jesus valued the poor, he cared for the poor, and he taught his disciples to do the same. But he says to those at Simon's house, you will always have the poor with you, and you can help them any time you want. But Jesus 
wanted his followers to see what was going on. He wouldn't be with them for much longer. He was prepared for what was about to happen in the days to come. And he names this act of devotion, this act of worship, as beautiful. Why? Let me give you two reasons. The first reason is this. It was costly. The woman gave her best and her all. She did what she could. She did it without holding back and without being concerned about what others thought. She threw caution to the wind, if you like, in her devotion and worship to Jesus. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on the head of Jesus. Doesn't this just stir you again to be worshippers who give our all and give our best to our saviour, Jesus? Let's note that for this woman, this wasn't an ideal situation that she was expressing her worship in. She wasn't surrounded by others cheering her on, but by those rebuking her. The context we find ourselves in today perhaps isn't the ideal context for worship. We're not in a full room here with a band playing, seeing the faith of others to spur us on and cheer us on. This woman wasn't in an ideal situation either, but she gave her best and she gave her all. And there's a call for us again today to be worshippers who give our all and who give our best. Worship in a moment, but also a worshipful lifestyle in the way we seek to lead our lives at this time. As we journey to the cross, let us worship Jesus, who is worthy of us all. The first reason that this act of worship was called beautiful is it was costly. The second reason, it was prophetic. It pointed to what was about to happen. Whether she realised it or not, she was anointing her king for his coronation. A different kind of coronation. One in which Jesus would sarcastically be proclaimed king of the Jews on the cross. But three days later, he would rise again. In verse 8, Jesus says, She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. What she's done was in line with what Jesus had been telling his disciples was going to happen with the three predictions that he makes in Mark's gospel in chapter 8. 31 and 32, chapter 9, 31 and 32, and chapter 10, 32 to 34. Pouring perfume on someone's head was not restricted to just royalty or priests, but Mark is helping us to see the significance of what is going to happen with Jesus. Clearly the woman is anointing the anointed one, the Messiah, for what was soon to happen. The love and devotion of the woman in this story prophetically points to the love of God that will be revealed for all to see in the central event of all of history, just two days away. In the words of Paul, this is how we know what love is. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This prophetic act of devotion in the midst of a group of outsiders and those who had missed the mark points forward to the death of Jesus and to his burial. What a prophetic act of worship. The significance of this costly and prophetic act is made even clearer as Jesus proclaims, 
Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. It's almost as if right here, Jesus is promising her inclusion in the New Testament that we have before us today. And rightly so. As we journey to the cross, we begin seeing Jesus as the anointed one who knows his death and burial are coming. He knows, too, that this wouldn't be the end. He would rise again. And as verse nine promises, this good news will be preached all around the world. Thank God this good news has reached us. Our passage closes as it began with the scheming of the chief priests and teachers of the law. This time, they're delighted. Why? Because Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. This woman gave what was most precious to Jesus in worship. In contrast, Jesus gave up Jesus for the promise of some money. Oh, the contrast. As I've experienced and dived into this story, I've been captivated again by the good news of Jesus and the call to be those who worship Jesus with all that we have and like the woman proclaim and share this good news. This week we've started 40 days of prayer together with a call to worship, to praise our God, our Saviour. In response to this passage today then, may we worship Jesus when it's costly when others around us criticise us for it. And may we point others to the death of Jesus. For we all need to hear the gospel in every season of life. May we not only hear the gospel today, but may we respond by putting our faith in the anointed one, Jesus, who is worthy of it all. Amen.